Welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Here are your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to the Laws of Wellness podcast, proudly brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Marcus Pierce is my name. And I am here with the sensational legend, the co-founder of the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Guys, is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hi, Damo. Hello, Marcus. It's so good to be here again. Hey, uh, I was thinking about that word legend a lot and I think about the real true legends that we get on this show. We've got a great legend with us today. Uh, It feels weird that you call me a legend. I'm going to have to uh, send you a little note later on. Well, you are a living legend, Damo, but I am, uh, I am I'm thrilled today. We are both thrilled today to be able to introduce our guest. Damo, one of the most intriguing parts of public life for me, and I'm sure probably you and a lot of our listeners, is watching people whose careers come to an end, whether they're sporting careers, political careers, any careers, yes. um, whether it's a sudden end or a slow end, and how they transition into the next phase of their life. And yeah. I really think this whole concept of transition is something that uh, we could probably focus more on um, on the podcast. But our guest today has done it beautifully. For those of you that are in uh, my vintage and Damo's vintage, you would probably know that Trevor Hendy is a six-time surf life-saving Ironman national champion. He's a member of the Australian Sporting Hall of Fame. And Damo, he's got his medal from the Queen. He's a member of the Order of Australia. Uh, most importantly, he's a down-to-earth, sensational human being. These days, Trevor is focused on helping people become more aware in their lives through his holistic coaching, team building and training, keynote speaking and special events. He's a father of four, married to his beautiful wife, Jo, who I was privileged to meet recently. Uh, and what I love about Trev, Damo, is that he hasn't dropped the ball since, retire- since retiring from his sporting career. He's an absolute picture of health and we are privileged to have the great Trevor Hendy join us on 100 Not Out today. Good morning, Trev. Wow, boys, that's such a big intro. <laughs> well, we mean every word of it, Alan. I don't think there's uh, one word of a line there. Every bit of it's true. And it was shortened. <laughs> Good to be on, on with both of you guys. And um, no, it's I, I that, you know, um, Marcus, we had such a great chat the other day just about everything that's um, going on in life in general and stuff. And I think um, as I've gone through my life, you know, since sport, whatever else, it's those connections and that care and, and um, great communication that we can share with people and that really makes a difference to life, I reckon. And um, we're all meant to be playing together. So I'm glad that through this little Skype technology and other things that we can do this. That's uh, sensational. Um, Trev, I've got to ask you just first off, uh, one of the things that we only spoke about briefly on, uh, when did I meet? We, we met at, at uh, the, the world premiere of Overfed and Undernourished. It was just a, a couple of weeks ago by the yes. time this goes to air. But um, one of the things that we, we, we only spoke about briefly, but I'm fascinated to, to hear you talk about, is just how you transition out of your... Uh, surf life-saving career because um, for those people that know me, I love my football, right? And I look at a lot of footballers who don't transition that well out of their sporting career. Mm. Uh, But people that are listening are like, well, I'm not a professional sports person. I'm not talking just about sport. I'm talking about whether it's just your working career or whether it's transitioning into parenthood or out of, I suppose, full-time parenthood when the kids leave. But how did you do it and, and how difficult did you find it? Well, we could we could talk about this subject for an hour easy, couldn't we, or several <laughs> hours? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, at first, and as you're talking, I was thinking there's so many things we could talk about. Um, 
the obviously the first thing is that life is is all about transition. It's constant change. You know, nothing's every moment's a new moment, and um, which is one of the sort of the credos that I live by is every moment's a living moment. You know, mm. and stuff happens. That's your opportunity. And I um I suppose for myself, all the way through sport, I was often the last person to leave the beach because I I loved to connect with people. I loved to. You know, when people would sign autographs and do all that sort of stuff to do as a sportsman. And uh, I'd, I'd leave the beach the last person, but I'd be the one that would say, someone would say, oh, that was amazing how you came back and you did this and you did that. And I'd say to the person, yeah, but, you, you know, you can do that too. And they'd be like, oh, no, I can't. And I never failed to notice how many people f- would see what I could do but didn't believe that they could do it. Yeah, wow. And, and it was, wasn't like, oh, this is what I can do for me. It was just like me following a passion. I was excited. I loved the ocean. I had a competitive streak in me. Um, I had. I loved the skill set of bouncing over waves and going under waves and going around them when you need to and finding the rip and everything else. So, and I'm answering your question as I say this because what happened was that's what happened when I got to the end of my career. A couple of things revealed itself. Was one was that I actually love helping people more than I love. You know, eventually I loved helping people more than I loved winning my own gold medal, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but secondly, the things that were always trying to shine through for me that shone through in my sporting career was when I got in a bad situation in a race, I'd find my way out of it. I'd always, whether it was going under, going left, going my own way, I always had the song running through my head, got to go your own way. (laughs) 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 You know, I think those things, what shows up in in one stage of life, it's like the baby in the bathwater principle. When you go through change, you don't just throw everything out. There's a baby and there's bathwater and and. The baby for me was that I did love people. Um, I was always searching for a better way to get to somewhere faster, quicker, more efficiently, more enjoyably. Um, and because I was a student of that in the surf, it didn't take me very long to realize I'm a student of that in life as well and it related to emotionally, mentally, metaphysically. Um, so with a bit of a help of a few people around me, um, sort of opening me up and and suggesting to me that I was hiding some vulnerability that I um, I kind of cracked down the Iron Man shell and started to open up to who I really was before the Iron Man, which was, you know, a gentle kid that loves people. And um, and I, I believe that we can all win and we all should win and that we all should be winning together. So that kind of really aided the transition. I did an incredible, uh, a beautiful course, a seminar that um, doesn't exist anymore, but it was... Um, what was it called? It was, it was called... it was a human potentials organization was the organization. Right. Um but um, we did a course and it was a, a man that had traveled the world and, and worked out that we're all going through the same stuff Yeah. and that when you sit down and give someone a bit of love and understanding, um, they all unravel pretty similar and I was no different, you know, that we have certain things that upset us and in this world, in this day and age, we value success so much and we value appearances so much and finances and all the material things that we forget to look in that little that little metaphysical, that spiritual or caring box over on the side. And so because I was living in a society that didn't really value that, I didn't really know how to look there. And so as soon as I got, you know, pushed in that direction, I really realized, wow, there's a whole lot more to life than winning Ironman races and everything else. And and from there it became a really easy, simple, natural transition. I never had a down period, <clears throat> never had a period where I was Oh no, I'm missing racing. I just couldn't wait to get into what I was really here to do, which is, you know, explore and discover more of life and share it. 
Wow. That's incredible. incredible. How many how many years ago was that that you kind of uh, you did that course and made that little um, I suppose metaphysical leap in spirituality yeah. and, and mindfulness? Well, Damo, that was um, 1994. I did the course, so you could say I've been a student student of it for 20 years, and I was before that without realizing it. And I think it was uh, my my manager, funnily enough, who's just one of my best greatest mates and. Um, I was in Los Angeles doing something, and he gave me the book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Oh, great oh, book. Nice. Great yes. 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 Very <laughs> first. You wouldn't believe it. Like at that age, I'm, I'm probably not, that's probably 1993, I think. And that was the first time in my life that I'd read anything to do with spirituality, anything to do with energy, anything to do with, you know, a bigger picture. Um, and I was just, I, I read it, I was like I was reading about myself. I was going, that's what I think, that's what I feel, that's, hang on, where, where's this coming from, you know? And I was, I was just like a kid with a new toy. And so that gave me that first little opening to it. And then funnily enough, the same manager, um, Jeffrey Shoecraft, he actually sent me to a chiropractor kinesiologist, um, NET master, who said, looked at me and, you know, looked me up and down and said, yeah, you've got some sort of intolerance, maybe dairy, and you've got some anger issues, and, um, you know, and you need to deal with those. And I smiled at him and, and, you know, I had a smile on my face, but underneath I was going, who the hell does this guy think he is? (laughs) (laughs) You got angry. (laughs) Mental note to self, maybe I do have an anger issue. Oh, that's funny. So so that was... um, that's what kind of that's when it happened around that ninety four period, and then it was that Keith Maitland, incredible chiropractor and beautiful friend, and he then sent me on to those courses as well, and that was like the three stages: reading the book, realizing this is actually going on in my body, and then thirdly, exploring it in a in a safe sort of seminar situation and really going through that awakening. And I got to tell you, at that time, my life was outside of racing was in chaos, financial problems marriage problems, all that sort of stuff. And what happened was that I literally started to look at myself and view things more holistically and view what I was carrying around with me, what baggage had I, you know, conditioning that I carried with me and inherited along the way and, and developed my own and made my own and all that. And as I released that stuff, all the other stuff came right without me touching it. And I could feel it changing as I was having the realizations and that's when I went, Wow, there is no, no power like the metaphysical. If, if you're able to clear something at a, at a quantum level and get an understanding of it, the rest of the world comes right. And I, I was I was hooked from that point on, and, and that's you know literally the power of life, really, that no one's telling us about. And that's what um, I've gone on to teach myself and do with others, and and that's why I do what I do now because I, I realize well that that power and ability and, and the care that comes through and that trumps everything else. It trumps hard work, it trumps goal setting, it trumps all that sort of stuff um, to be able to get a heartfelt understanding of where you're actually at, have an awakening, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I was blown away. And, of course, everything I did had no religious denomination to it. No, it wasn't even new agey. It was very feet on the ground. This is what's going on. This is what peace of mind you caught in and this is what's going to keep and if you stay in that, you could say it was a it was a real um, wake up. It's um it's beautiful to listen to you, Trev, because um so often we meet people who are super fit, uh, incredibly motivated, have uh, won multiple events, and you are a six times Ironman champion, like absolute champion. <laughs> yeah, um, you actually did Ironman before Ironman existed, and uh, you know and. <laughs> 
and you uh, and but you have this peacefulness about you, this calmness about you. And it kind of makes me not even want to ask questions, but I need to because that's I just what want the, to listen. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's what the listeners <laughs> want. But now I've got one child. I find my life pretty frantic and busy. Um, you've got mm. four children. One of your children is older now than what you were when you had her. And uh, mm. I did the maths, and that's pretty good. It took me two and a half years to pass first year accounting. I could still work that out, so <laughs> that's pretty good. But you got uh, four beautiful children, and uh, and it sounds like you're doing some travel. You're having a massive impact on um, athletes and people around Australia. How do you find work-life balance? Yeah, it's a great question, Damo. I um, and I'll try and make a long story short here. I. So I had my first uh, marriage with Jackie, who was, you know, right through from that sort of childhood sweetheart thing, 18 years on, and it was seven years of just kind of a rocky road, and it was amazing, lots of love, but we got so caught in all the dramas and all, and certainly I did, all the rubbish that I was trying to aspire to and, and the believing in the ego and, you know, oh, well, I've won the race, so I know what I'm talking about, all this sort of stuff, that... At the same time, it became really loving but really destructive as well. And um, so when I did learn those lessons, so I had um, my first two children with Jackie and then I was in relationship with Joe. When I – it was right about that period of time that I was beginning to you know, go through that real wake-up to what life really means. And so I was getting major, major lessons around Jackie, my ex-partner, and – have we still got you here? Yeah, yeah, yep. Oh, sorry, I lost it. I lost you. <laughs> I was getting major, major lessons. But what happened was I, the, everything that I learned from the past related to, it was like moving forward and backwards. So I understood where I needed to go next and I understood what was missing from the past. So everything was better in the present as well. And so what's happened is um, years later I, I was talking at Jackie, my first wife. She had a, as a networking breakfast that she does and it's a, it's a very sort of spiritually care-based breakfast but for people to come together and do different style of business and, and I was speaking at it and Joe was there and Jackie was there and we're one big extended family and we've been through all sorts of ups and downs together but there's a lot of love and care and a real sort of brotherly, sister, sisterly connection between all of us, you know, and so – I was speaking and someone got up and shared a story and they were blown away in the audience that we're all there together. This, you know, there's my first wife and there's there's the four kids and we're all in the one room and someone was there. It it created a whole talk within the room. So it just kind of facilitated the talk rather than just did a keynote. Mm. And someone got up and said they told the story about an emperor, a Chinese emperor, who they prepared this incredible pot and they come to present it to him on his visit to the city and they drop it and it smashes into like a thousand pieces. And everybody's horrified and this emperor that everybody loved that was very wise said, stop, don't touch it, just bring all the pieces back together. And he got them to glue the pieces back together in whatever order they fell, in whatever way they fell. And then he put this huge mosaic up on the wall of the pot as it was put back together after it was broken. And then he said to the people that was presented on the wall and he, he represented it to everybody, he said, isn't that far more beautiful than the original pot? And that's, I, I literally, you know, cried on stage standing there with my broken pieces of my life and went, wow, what we've got now is far more beautiful than what we would have had had I just gone down this path of what, you know, picket fences, cars, houses, mortgage and everything else. So I was always destined to have a mess so I could have a really beautiful mess at the end of it that came together in, in, in very organic ways. And so 
in answering your question, that's how the work-life balance comes around is that we're all very invested in each other, in my children and, and um, um, Jackie. You help her out, and Joe and I. We travel together, and we're down in Melbourne together at the moment, and and work together as much as we can. And and uh, it's very much a you know a beautiful soulmate relationship, and there's just a lot of connection and love between the whole family. So it's um, not hard to carry the slack for each other at different times, and and because we're very purpose invested, there's a real feeling that when one person's going out and work working, the other one's back at home supporting and and cooking and cleaning and doing whatever, and. So a balance tends to work itself out, but you know we haven't mastered it just yet. But it, it does create a sense of wherever I go, someone's got my back, and and I've got their back as well. And it's it's more about love and purpose than it is about relationship and what you you can do for me and all that sort of stuff. Wow, wow. that is nice. incredible. I think yeah. you I think you've got everyone listening uh, just. Uh, on the uh, edge of their seats here because it's just well maybe just relaxing back and just listening to you it's wonderful to hear and uh, I'm thinking as you talk Trevor I'm just thinking about my upbringing and just thinking of that of thinking of the of the pot and putting all the pieces back together and you and you do reflect and it's whether you're aware of it or not putting it, it all the pieces have been put back together it's just a matter of us observing and going well that is, that is more beautiful than the original isn't it yeah um, it's the because it's already there it's just acknowledging it yeah. That, that's exa- I was just going to say the same thing. It's the acknowledgement and the validation that that love, the beauty of who we are, is already there. It's always there. It's always working away in the background. If it wasn't there, we wouldn't still be here. So we don't – all this drama that we go through in life can't actually exist without who we really are, without the spirit, without the, the essence of who we are. So that part of life just sits back behind, just doesn't say much, doesn't do much, but well, I'm, I'm looking for the words, but the – the, the spiritual aspect of who we are, the essence, the, the you know, the true person, the, the true identity sits back behind everything and we all share it. We're all connected at that level. There's a truth, there's a oneness to all of us and that's what's trying to reveal itself through all the ins and outs, all the ups and downs. So we sweat the small stuff. We sweat this is going on and that's going on and we try and control it and it's all the all the things that we're trying to keep grips on that actually keep it from coming together in its beauty and us slowing down and recognizing, wow, I've got everything I need right here, right now, and whatever I need next will arrive next. You know, it's it's that simple. Okay, then. So this is my question. We've done 60-odd episodes of 100 Not Out. We've interviewed living legends and, and experts from all over the world on what it takes to age gracefully. There's a very clear pattern and one of and one part of the pattern is that they're all typically very optimistic people and yeah. but but knowing how that unfolds is that optimism is often an effect of resilience yes. and resilience is only built out of having tough times in your life yes because you don't get resilience out of being cruisy yes. so so how did you do you think you were uh, born optimistic or did you have to go through when you went through challenges did you find you got down in the dumps and you worked your way through it to build that resilience, which is then build that optimism, which now uh, sees you living in what you'd call that beautiful mess. Mm. How, how did you, you know, was that the path that you went down or was it, was it something different? Yeah, I I guess so. I I suppose once again, it's like an, a constant ongoing awakening that you don't know is happening. So, Life's preparing you for wherever you ultimately decided you wanted to go. <laughs> um, so I suppose for me, it's been different stages. What uh, the the optimism that was always been there with me. I've always been sort of brighter and lighter, and and 
believed in in love and connection and can do a lot more yep. than can't do. It's all that's always been natural to me, but I think that's been the kind of my floaties that have have kept me going while I could learn how to swim, you know, and. Learning how to swim is more being able to just relax and lay on your back and know oh, it's all going to work out anyway. And it's more of an allowance and a deeper, deeper sense of knowing that it is all connected. There's nothing to sweat and panic. And at the same time, uh, I still have the power, as does everybody. We all have the power to make a decision at any moment and direct your own ship. You know, to steer your own ship to where you want to go. And um, you know, so there's that sense of destiny and fate that's going on. That there's certain things that we're going to experience no matter what. Um, but there's an end objective that's more of a, a spiritually unseen objective for most people, and that is, I need to learn about this, this, and this. And I wrote a program recently called the the Boot Camp for the Soul. I've just and, been I've just been reading it. I've just been looking at it. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, I wish it wasn't virtual. I want to, you know, <laughs> right, <then. laughs> I'm going, oh. What it will be. I'll, I'll do actually some boot camp for the soul workshops eventually. But um, but I wrote it. I called it the boot camp for the soul because I realised that life is one big boot camp for the soul. Mm, you know, every day you have to wake up and front up again, and the whole time the fitness that you're working on is soul fitness, and it's not really fitness. It's soul identification. It's soul. You know, just like you work on a muscle till you can see it. Mm-hmm. It's like acknowledging the soul until it shines through and. And that's what life's trying to do for us. When we do it unconsciously, it's happening anyway, but it's happening on a slow upward spiral that often feels like a downward spiral. So it can be slow and tedious. And any kind of good spiritual curriculum or understanding just leads it to be a little bit faster. Like you just go, oh, you put your attention on it and go, oh, that's true. That's happening for me. And by seeing it, it accelerates. So I literally kind of realized later in my life that life is one big boot camp for the soul, that there are certain things um, that if we didn't have this mess in our mind, we'd all be able to see this. If we weren't grown up with this conditioning that life's tough and you should try hard and we're all individual and all these Mm. core beliefs that are a load of rubbish, like false premises of life, if we can clear those out of the way, those junk viewpoints, everybody knows this. People go, I've worked with so many people that go, I know this. I've always felt this. This is what I feel. Yeah, no, I feel like we can all pull it off. And I love that person. And someone's telling me I should hate them and all this sort of stuff. It's like winning and moving forward to us and aging gracefully and all that sort of stuff is actually very simple and natural to us. We just got to get all this other junk out of the way. And that's, you know, my great teacher many years ago, he said, if you're really, really going for it and really willing and looking to, to, to observe your own stuff and clear your own patterns, it would take about 12 weeks, about three months, you know, a bit of life experience, bit of it. You could undo all the mindsets and all the things and actually clearly live in that peace and harmony that, that someone like an Eckhart Tolle is living in already. You could live in that in three months, no problems, if you if you were really willing. And that's when I – so when I wrote the boot camp for the soul, I made it online and virtual because the idea is – that you don't need to go to somebody to do it. All the answers are in yourself. You can do it in your own life. It's best played out in your own life. And I did it over 12 weeks because it's an unfolding just to go, oh, this viewpoint leads to this one, leads to this one, and release all this stuff. So eventually you go, hang on, that's right. We've been duped here. We are far more powerful than we realize. We're very capable. And look out if we ever all realize that together because there's a there's a big problems on the planet that would be small problems to us if we all had the awareness to be able to come together and, and creatively sort them out. 
Trevor's been good enough to to stay with us here. And Trev, you just said there when we finished off with uh, on the last episode to making the rest of your life the best of your life. You said that a lot of the uh, inspiration behind your online program Bootcamp for the Soul was really on um, helping people to make to, to uh, I suppose achieve that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say living your best life, and I think I actually heard I think Oprah Winfrey says that as well. Yeah. I, I came across later living your best life. Um, because I, think, say that. I, I love that. I love that. Isn't it? Isn't it beautiful? Because you can I, live I a life. Because people just live life, don't they? Or they get through it. It's like raising yeah. children or growing them. It's that kind of same sort of thing, isn't it? You can yeah, grow nice. your kids, or you can raise yeah. them. It is. It's like um, I think what it points to is the fact that we're actually, if we're if we're not consciously aware, we're probably living our second best life. Yeah. Mm. Because we're just kind of strolling along, waiting for life to happen to us. When we have more. More control is the wrong word, but we have more ability to, to direct it and, and be the creator of our own experience than, than that. So it's living your best life is like go for the whole lot. What do you really want to have? Just decide and, and be willing to do what it takes to follow it through. Yeah. So then my question, Trev, is if you're talking about living yeah, just an okay life, do you find, I know you do a lot of work with sporting groups. I know you're working with the Collingwood Football Club at the moment and I'm just thinking, do you find that you have to, probably not so much, I'm hoping not with a professional sporting group, but do you find that you have to remind people that um, mediocre is not good enough, like that there's so much better than that and do you find that people through life circumstances or just their belief systems have almost uh, unconsciously settled for mediocrity? Uh, I think, yeah, that's it's a, it's a really good subject. Um, because of, Marcus, because I think it's firstly uh, yes, it's it's awakening and realizing. Hang on, there's more. There's something more I want to experience or feel. But at the same time, it's being really careful not to get caught in that faculty or that desire for more, because that's what's part of our sickness is is that we always want more, want more. So if we get what we want, we want more, we want more. You know and bigger house you know the whole corporate world runs on well we've overtaken three businesses now and what do we do now well we'll overtake another one you know we want more we want more so there's a there's an egoic element um and a structural egoic element that you got to be very careful of in life i'm not careful of for want of better words it's it's good to be aware of oh wow um and the way i explain it was i used to I, i would win an ironman race many years ago probably from the purity of my love for the ocean my respect for my mates, um, for being the ability to embrace the moment, even though I didn't know what, that's what I was doing at the time. Yeah, I was just um, going to say, is that retrospective? Because I, I reckon yeah. at that time, with that, uh, you would have had a fair bit of uh, eye of the tiger going on. You just would have been bolting out there, having a good swim, having a good paddle, coming back in and going, I beat you guys again. You know, I, I can't imagine at that point in your life you would have been thinking about that sort of stuff. Yeah, not really, but although I did have a beautiful uh, coach in Bill Haylock who really had me process-oriented, so mm. was, we never worried about the result, and the Australian title was never more important than the carnival that we did at the start of the season. It was just the goal was to perfect the Ironman race, so yeah, right. it was always about the process of being in the moment, the next stroke, the next transition where you are, but at the same time, I had the support of so many people, my family, you know, my wife at the time. Um, the surf club around me and everything else. So I had this beautiful support system around me. So I didn't realize that I was living a, a, a bit of a, a spiritual truth as well is that I was very connected to the people around me. I was very true to what I was doing and these moments of magic would unfold where I'd be in the middle of the race and it would get easy. 
all of a sudden <laughs> I'd find my way through and it would just get easy and life was there to support me. I'd catch a wave from the craziest of places and people would say, oh, he just parted the ocean. Like I'd, I'd go off to the left and I'd go, I've got to go that way and it was logically the worst way to go but I'd have this groove or this feeling that I had to go that way. And The, um, the commentators was, would comment on that. I, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Do you remember? I remember that. Yeah. I remember watching that and, uh, and watching you go a direction that people would go, why has he gone that way? And all of a sudden, a wave would appear. It was like taking a specky on the football field. It came out of nowhere. Nowhere. All of a sudden, it just was, yes. Yeah. Mm. And the commentators often when you go it. that way too, you disappear off the cameras too. So you go, they go, oh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, there's Trevor Henry. He's oh, come out of He's back in 14. <laughs> that's right. And you're always in the lead. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I remember that. That's, uh, that's an amazing thing. So that actually just, that was not part of strategy. It was something that was more intuitive and that you felt. Yeah, I, I did. So I, it was almost like if you can imagine running along in a really narrow valley where half a meter either side of you, you're running partly uphill, mm-hmm. you know, and so I'd go to run straight and it'd be like running up that side of that valley. I'd have to turn or there'd be a groove that I felt like I was running in and that's the only way I can explain it. It was, it was only one place for me to go and it was like my intuition and kind of destiny kind of colliding in that moment. And I just feel this groove running through. I'd feel exactly how far I was behind. I'd know exactly when I was going to catch up. I'd go under waves and I'd feel, as I'd go under, I'd then, because in, in the water, the incredible thing is the water allows the, the metaphysical to manifest much faster. So I could feel the water moving a certain direction where it shouldn't be. It should be all coming in on that sandbank by all the, you know, the geology of the sandbank. It should be coming in, but I'd be actually find this little flow of water that was going out and I'd just move and I'd be in that groove and I'd come up and, of course, I wouldn't be on the cameras because I'd be way out to the left. (laughs) And I ran into um, Eddie Maguire yesterday with his young son and he said, oh, Alex, remember I introduced you to... Trevor, before he was the one that went way left when we we're down at Portsea because he used to commentate for it. He went way left and it's gone. We all thought he was crazy, and the next minute he ran out in front. Uh, love and it. I think I, the reason I tell the story is not about my Ironman thing, but it's about life. It's about that if you're willing to actually go your own way, and if you're willing to believe in yourself and let go, not have the need to win, but willing to do what it takes to win and to get to where you want to go to. Sometimes life will take you a direction that looks crazy. It looks nothing like what it should look like, should look like to get to that point. And that could be relationship, job, career, anything else. It Sometimes you have to go where everyone says, you're mad? What are you going there for? But deep inside of yourself, you know, I have to go over there. And it's that learning to, have, to trust in self and have faith that brings you through. And there's a couple of points that I want to point out really quickly. One was that um, – since that I realize and I, I live by these three things. Number one is that every moment is a living moment. So life's not a physical contemplation. Life is a metaphysical contemplation. It's always trying to teach us something. There's a magic and mystery that's trying to shine through and it's really boring without acknowledging that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. just goes up and down and the same stuff. Number two is that stuff happens or shite happens, you know, and mm. that that's your opportunity. That's the idea. It's not meant to be magic and beautiful all the time it's meant to be challenging it's meant to be because it's a boot camp for the soul so we're meant to be learning about ourselves and this way that way we're meant to make as many mistakes as we do good decisions so that's what it's about you've got to have that faith in yourself and and stuff's going to happen no problem at all and number three is at the end of the day you only have to know yourself trust yourself and follow your own intuition knowing gut feeling whatever you want to call that um, it's that simple and that's 
the most profound lesson you can get in life is that your own, you, you are your greatest teacher, your own creative power is all that you need. When you can access it, you realize that you discover and access the creative power of everybody and we're all connected and everything else. That was the first point I wanted to make. Second one was, and the original reason I started telling this story was that, <laughs> that I would have that incredible experience and I would come out and that little tricky little mental faculty that we call the ego, mm-hmm. that little unconscious part that wasn't able to sort of drift up into greater vulnerability or whatever else, that part of me, that persona would go, how good did I do today? <laughs> you know, that was that was me. You know, that was pretty good. Did you see that? You know, and I I've later realised, wow, that's that's our fear. That's our the part of us that doesn't want to let go and, and drift up into something greater where it's not about me. That's that part hanging on for its grim death. So even though the ego part of us had no no part in creating the wind in the first place. That was the freedom to go and move and it was the love and care of the people around me and it was me just making a good solid decision and even though that was what we created it, the ego would always take credit for it, you know. And Mate. that's so that's the dangerous part I, I say in, in the whole creation thing is that while you move forward, just know that as you truly change in yourself, a mark of knowing you're changing is that you wake up feeling vulnerable again and vulnerable again rather than we're getting to this impenetrable place where we feel unbelievable it should you should feel like oh i feel a bit shaky again today and that that's a sign that you actually are connected to things you're connected to the movement of life and that life's going to push you somewhere else today and that's it's learning how to ride that wave that's probably the most important one trev i've actually got my mouse pointed on the buy now button of uh, soulbootcamp.trevorhendy.com. I reckon there should be a whole lot more people ready to do this because I'll be doing that as soon as it uh, calls off because I don't like to get sidetracked or do two things at once. I, not, I don't like to do that at all. <laughs> <Do> I? <laughs> I like to be mindful and present. So um, I'm, look, I'm absolutely looking forward to doing that particular uh, 12-week course. I'm, I'm busting for it. What I noticed in there is you get, some, uh, you get a recipe from Pete Evans, which that excites me a little bit too because I, I love what Pete does and I love eating clean food and, and that's what we do. And Part of aging well is, of course, um, exercise, mindfulness, yes. um, being yes. engaged, all those sorts of things. But I'm, yes. a, I'm a food guy, Trev. Like I'm into food. Yes. I teach people how to eat healthily, how to eat clean. I want to know, I'm, now that you've moved on from maybe having a few boxes of Nutri-Grain in your pantry, um, <laughs> yes. what are you now eating? What do you have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? I, I, it's, that's why Pete's on there. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in probably – uh, or two in particular, I, I do think sort of raw and vegetarian is really beautiful for the people that it, it um, feels right to, you know, that um, there's a certain element of that. that I yep. have some very beautiful friends that, that, that eat purely raw or vegetarian yep. or combination of both and they are just incredibly healthy, beautiful people with a, an incredible, you know, well-rounded outlook and, and life and energy and glow about them. Yep. Um, I also know plenty of people who are the the same as far as free and alive and everything else who live more the paleo way which is more that you know the proteins and the obviously nothing processed and without the grains and all those sort of things as well so it's just what you can go and pick and eat and which makes so much sense to me um and then there's a few others that we could talk about, you know, nutritional plans and stuff like that, nutritional things. I mean, the old zone diet of, you know, no, don't mix your proteins with your carbs and all that sort of stuff. And Barry Sears program. So, what's that? Dr. Barry yeah. Sears program. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. That they, they all, to me, they all point to, they all point towards a truth, 
and the truth is that um, each of us have, a, 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 I suppose, a vulnerability to us, a um, a connection that we share with life and everything else. So there's certain foods and things that that fit well with us, mm. and. So it's not about which one should one, you know, which one's the best one. It's actually, oh, what sits sits well with me, you know. Yeah. So, nice. so I do a little bit of all of those things. I um, I love sort of the good simple fats and oils that you get um, through your avocados, and we cook with rice bran oil or, or macadamia oil or coconut or you know olive oil on on raw things, stuff like that. Yeah, I love that side. I definitely try, and I know that my body just strips weight and drops weight if I do uh, five to six small protein meals a day, so nice. protein-based meals a day. Yep. Uh, with salad or with veggies? Yeah, absolutely, with yep. your beautiful complex carbs and, and your simple, beautiful, healthy veggies, you know, that sort of stuff. Delicious. Um, but I know, you know, I, I did a wonderful course um, a couple of years ago. It was a, a Cert 3 and 4 in personal training. I did it with my son. Thought, yeah, I'll go do it with him, and and it was the HPC Human Performance Center up on the Gold Coast, and real out of the box character Greg Totman who runs at GT, and uh, you know he'd won Mister Australia a few times and all that sort of stuff. And if you ever want to know about how to lose weight, you ask a bodybuilder. Yeah, <laughs> you know? they shred, don't they? They can shred. Yeah, and we and we make it. We make assumptions about bodybuilding and and the sub, other substances and all that sort of stuff. But if you want to know about diet, you you go to those guys, and and so. A bit, a little bit extreme, but it certainly gives you an in, it gives you one end of the scale. Mm. And what I learned about the six protein meals a day. You know that that the protein um, storage faculty of the body lasts for about two and a half to three hours, and it's it's burnt up. Where the carbohydrate can be stored up for much longer, and of course we store it in the fat cells, and we do everything else with it. Um, so literally the fact that the one viewpoint that really struck me was that if I have regular small meals of protein, particularly when I'm being active, the body goes, oh, this is great. I'm being fed regularly and it releases its survival instinct. It releases its need to crave carbohydrate or store it. And he would say, oh, yeah, if you have four protein, small protein meals a day and you do this much exercise, you would, you know, as far as being lean body mass, you, yeah, you'll lose weight at this rate. And he said, as soon as you move to five or particularly six, the weight will drop off you. And I did it. I went, I'll try it. And I dropped four kilos in two days. Gee. Couldn't believe it. For, at that particular time, I'd done four huge sessions in two days and it was only because I was training with my son. It was really out of the ordinary and because um, I don't do that anymore, but um, it was it was two and a half days later. I weighed myself and I dropped three point nine kilos, Gee. and I it just stripped off me because the rest of the day my body's going sweet. We know it was starting to get in the habit that we know we're going to get fed well and regularly and small quantities, you know, small amounts that the body just keeps topping up with, and because it had the phytonutrients of the greens and everything else in there, mm. it just was like my body went, oh, thank you, you finally fed me. It's about time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Marcus and I, you know, we met at Overfed and Undernourished and at the, the premiere of that, which is an absolutely wonderful movie and talks a lot about this stuff. Um but it's just such a true adage that, that probably for, I don't know, 99.99% of people, we are overfed and undernourished because we're, we're eating for enjoyment, which is okay. Mm. But if eating for enjoyment is our primary and only reason, we're going to enjoy and eat all the things that actually make us feel better. You know, and so I've slowly but surely worked on the principle that we should actually, if we're connected with purpose and life and really true to self, we should already feel great. 
And then eating is an extension of that. It's an enjoyable, it's beautiful, it's a wonderful chance to sit with people and try different things and everything else. But but it's also about what what how do I care for my body? What do I put into it so I can continue that cycle of feeling great? Now, Trev, you've you've covered off in great detail two of the three tenets that we talk about a lot here on One Hundred Not Out. So, in aging well, there's uh, that focus on purpose. There's a focus on a great social life and surrounded by people that you love. One of the biggest ones, and we have to ask you this because you're a six-time Ironman champion, is regular exercise. Everyone that's yeah. aging well is moving regularly. So, what does someone who has pretty much made a career out of moving their body? Uh, you're 46 now. You're 46. Uh, 45. 45, yep. almost 46, so 45. Yep. Um, where, what do you like to do these days to stay fit and strong? It's a really good question because I, I, because I get derived so much enjoyment out of um, connecting with people and helping people and living life in the moment. You know, Because that happens, um, I recently went through a whole period where I just was in s- seminars and sessions and internal, internally working away for a long time and loving it not noticing any difference, loving it. Went to Australian Championships in Perth with my son for a week, went to Bali for eight days and then came back and went away again for five more days. And then all of a sudden I jumped on the scale and I was 100.6 kilos, which is I'm normally about. And I very rarely jump on the scales, but I went, oh, hang on, I'm carrying some stuff here. You know? <laughs> and uh, well, that's interesting. And I jumped on and I, and I you know, probably healthy healthy, pretty lean, I'm around about 94 kilos. That's without being really, really athletic, just being active. I was like, wow, there's six something kilos that's just come on while I've been, now hang on, I don't feel bad. I don't, you know, I I feel great. I feel very connected to people, but I haven't been outdoors. I haven't been active. I haven't actually been off doing, you know, little, little, little sort of active sessions here or there. And I realized straight away that the very first thing that comes in was, well, I better get rid of that weight. You know, that that mindset sort of thing, or I better do this or I do this, this is what I'm going to need to do. And that athletic mind comes back in. And that's mm. one thing I've not worked hard, but I've, I've kind of been very aware of that it's not a very good feeling to have, I'll be better when, I'll be better when I'm this many kilos, I'll be better when I can, I've finally got abs, or I'll be better when I can run this fast. It's a, it's a really horrible place to be. It's kind of motivating in a way, but it's a very up and down road to, to ride. So, I kind of straight away recognized, oh, no, this is not about losing those six kilos. This is my six kilos is my little gateway. It's just pointing to the fact that, hey, it's just reminding me that unless I have a little bit of daily movement mixed with all this connection and lovely stuff that I'm doing, I'm probably not living my best life either. I'm probably living a little bit too far indoors. I'm not just spending some time on my own paddling through the water and doing different things. And I I use it as I saw it as a gateway to, to point me back to what I needed to do. So every day for the last five weeks, I've done one thing a day, whether it's probably minimum of 30 minutes, usually about 40 minutes to an hour, a couple of sort of hour and a half Bikram yoga sessions, which sort of really stressed <laughs> and I love it. Um, but, um, but, you know, just movement every day and I've constantly broken the mindset, which is easy to come back in as an old professional athlete, constantly broken the mindset of, oh, going to the gym to get this and get stronger. I've just actually move to be more present, move to have more awareness in my body, more beautiful feeling in my body. You still look really strong though. Like you look massive still. Oh, he's in good nick though, let me tell you. (laughs) Surely that's more than just movement. 
Yeah, no, what's happened is, of course, you actually intuitively find ways to keep a, a, a beautiful all-over body strength. Sure. So I'm, I'm going through the gym and I'm going, oh, I'm working on this and that and this and that and doing core strength in between and I'm doing it not from a killer a- athlete attitude, from a movement attitude, yeah. but there's a determination there where you realize there's little crusty bits in your mind and those crusty bits are showing up in the crusty bits around the waistline. You know, that's the way they physically show up. So realizing, oh, I've got to break that cellular memory of this weight that I've put on as well. So you do have to get a bit determined and push through it and and be a bit, no, I'm not going to stop here. I could actually finish this if I really tried. I could do that last chin up or I could do whether it's number two, you know, or number 10, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, so I've been pushing through it like that to get that that faculty of I can back, you know, I can do this. Oh, if, if someone said we're, we're running up Mount Kosciuszko this afternoon, I'd go, yep, and I could run up there with them rather than, oh, I used to be able to do that. So I've done that, and the, the amazing thing is um, a Sunday night I've been weighing myself, and I'm on track for five kilos in five weeks. Gee. Go, Trev. Gee. Yeah. So, you know, and feeling lighter, looser, um, <laughs> not feeling like I've gathered some, some new you know, exercise regime that I've now got to hold on to. I just feel like I'm enjoying myself and, and loving getting out in the sunshine, in the water, and, and doing sessions with other people as well. I'm loving it, really enjoying moving again. Now, Trevor Hendy, you would be happy to know that Damien Christoph has just sent me a message via Skype saying, boot camp order completed. <laughs> so I have a question which is aimed at keeping the great Damien Christoph accountable to doing this 12-week program. Yes. yes. What am I going to do, Trev? What am I going to do to make sure he does it? Because I know Damo is a very busy man, okay? I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do it. I've, yeah, I've paid I money. Not. That's yeah. As soon as I pay plenty money. of people buy books and don't read them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and even Trev would say this is the hardest thing is the accountability side of things. So yeah. Trev, we've got Damo on the record here. It's out. Yeah. He's bought it. Okay. So yep. we can't go back now. I can. Do I ask Damo every week on the podcast? How are you yep. going with that Damo? Yeah. What week are go you on. up to? <laughs> um, how's it structured? Is it a, is it a weekly is it a weekly course? It's it's, no, it's a daily course. So it's daily. Morning, Forty minutes six every days day. a week. Yeah. Yep, and it's it's like forty minutes in the morning and about twenty minutes in the evening, just for a process to complete what you learnt for the day. Yep. And um, so what we could you could ask him every week. You know what we could do? I could pop on for five minutes every four weeks or something, and we go, oh, you know, however long you want, yeah. and go, all right, Damo, how'd you go? What did you learn? And we could share that with the listeners as well. You right. ready for that, Damo? You all right with that? I'll That's accountability yep. like to a T. That is fabulous. Doesn't get. And by, by the way, Damo, it is three phases. The four-week really simple movement phase of actually slowing our mind down. Mm-hmm. So the first one's really simple. The second phase is challenging because it's more now that we've realized that, it's digging out some of any old stuff that's hanging around, old conditioning and things like that, and it's looking at old relationships and you know things like that. It's really beautiful, though. It's, a, it's, it's all about love, the week five to eight. And then week nine to 12 is all about expansion. It's all about, well, once you know who you are and you cleared some of the stuff out of the way, where do you want to go now? And it's all removing the bigger mindsets and everything and seeing that the world is your oyster, you know. So that would be it'd be good to check in at the end of each four weeks and see how you're finding it. I'm pumped. I am and, and may I just say, great value, by the way, Trevor, that you're bucks. 150 bucks. That's, yeah. that's uh, it's just, what, $12 a week or something? Yeah. I was told by some three, three coffees. Yeah, it should be so much more. And I, I really firmly believe that anybody can afford to do that. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to create an opportunity for anybody to go, I can do this. I can put this aside. And over 12 weeks, I can 
have a gradual awareness change and it's not about nailing it all because there'll be some that really confuse you. What's he even saying there? What, what does that mean? And that's, <laughs> that's perfect because usually it'll answer itself the next day. So it's a, it's a really interesting process. There's audio files on there as well so that you don't have to read all the emails. Damo, you can just put it on the iPod, go for a walk and listen to it. God. I'm, I'm so excited about it. It's just it's it's come at a great time. It is my time. Well, it's cool. it's wonderful. What the timing of guests and Trevor can't thank you enough for uh, doing a double episode of One Hundred Not Out for us. Oh, it's been magic. an absolute uh, honour to to get so much of your wisdom and listen to so much of your wisdom. And no doubt for all of our listeners, uh, both in Australia and around the world, uh, no doubt you've enjoyed listening to the wisdom of Trevor Hendy. Trevor, as we like to say. To everyone that joins us on the program, may the rest of your life truly be the best of your life. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. And look, guys, I just love what you guys are doing. It's thank you from everybody else for what you're doing. It's, it's beautiful. And I've, it's been an honor for me to be on the program with you. I've loved it. Great, man. Damo, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of 100 Not Out. And uh, remember, folks, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can provide it in any number of ways. As we say, the best way is to go to the website, thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 Not Out. Also, check us out on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash 100 Not Out, but it's all letters. Also, if you've liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. So until next week, continue to to make the rest of your life the best of your life.